0: Hey, Luke, have you been looking for a new Daily Fantasy sports app? You know, I have really been jonesing for one. I got the perfect one for you, Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy is a new DFS app for prop bets. They have streamlined the drafting process and eliminated the need to do unnecessary hours of research by using only top-tier athletes. Instead of the traditional salary cap format, you build your lineup around a list of prop bets. For each contest, you need to choose 10 of the 20 prop bets plus two ice picks that protect you from any late scratches or postponed games. Each unique prop has an over and under point value assigned to it, and you will be rewarded that point value if that prop is correct. For example, your man, Mookie Betts. Will he have over or under 1.5 RBIs? The less likely the prop is to occur, the more points the choice will be worth and you build your team score around the amount of correct props you select. Got that? I got it. Alright, so go check out Thrive Fantasy. If you use the promo code Bring in the Heat or Bring the Heat, B-R-I-N-G T-H-E-H-E-A-T when you sign up, they will match your first deposit of up to $10. So you deposit $10 You have $20 to play with now. Go check it out. I know that we've already had some people reach out to us about their success. They've won some of their latest, uh, I would say, bets. So go check it out. That's Thrive Fantasy, one of the best and newest uh, daily fantasy sports apps out there. This podcast is also brought to you by the Performance Strength Academy, located on Route 130 South in Bordertown, New Jersey. The PSA offers a wide variety of packages from boot camps to personal training, one-on-one to elite athlete training, to even offering nutritional guidelines. Whatever you're looking for, they offer it. They currently have professional baseball players under there uh, that compete at all levels of the minor leagues, indie ball, and have even seen time at the major league level. They also have recently welcomed former UFC fighter Ricardo Almeida to the PSA family. There at the PSA, their main goal is to better everyone's health wellness throughout weight training, which is based around each individual's unique goals. Both of their trainers have college baseball experiences at two of the most well-known schools in the tri-state and solid backgrounds in health and wellness in the health and wellness field. You can check them out at uh, on Instagram at the Performance Strength Academy, or find them on Facebook. And if you have any interest. Uh, You can give them a call at 609-433-9022 or through email. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode 46 of Bringing the Heat podcast. It's your host, Zach. And with us today, we have another great interview for, for you. We have former Pitt University, now outfielder Connor Perry. Connor, how's it going?
1: Good, man. Thank you for having me on your show. And uh, I'm excited to talk to you guys.
0: Yeah, so I've, I'm actually really excited for this one because um your story i'm not going to say that your story hasn't happened before but it's just really cool how it's happened um obviously you've played with a couple people that i know um as far as your time at lock haven and your time at lackawanna before you had gone to Pitt, and so i just kind of wanted to go into that but before i do that i just wanted to say congrats on a hell of a season this past year
1: yeah thanks man it's uh you know, going to my last ride we called the farewell tour as a senior and uh yeah it was it was a blast and the guys on my team uh made my senior year truly one to remember
0: um so before we go into like your story and everything um for those of you that don't know you had a really good year and have you heard anything as far as possible draft or, or anything like that
1: yeah man uh, the draft's next week um it's june 3rd it starts to the 5th and uh, i had a multiple teams reach out to me you know and as a senior and as an older guy you know i'm just hoping for a bus ticket we like to call and an opportunity to go play for a pro team and start my uh professional career
0: yeah so what's that kind of been like you know so i guess we can get a little bit into your story now um so you graduate high school did you have any division one offers at all
1: yeah no uh you know i i uh actually it starts before my high school i was an eighth grader and um as eighth graders you can try out for the freshman baseball team and I tried out and uh, I didn't make it you know so that was kind of uh, my first obstacle I had to uh, kind of persevere through um but yeah so I got out of high school um I wasn't good in high school you know a lot of people ask like well how do you go you know from you know we'll get into the story and everyone asks like how did that all happen and um I simply just wasn't good, you know, and I. But I had high aspirations uh, for my career, and uh, little brothers and sisters, I wanted to be a role model too. And um, so, my, you know, started my senior year, I was uncommitted. Um, I had Division One teams that talked to me, but never, uh, you know, formally offered me a scholarship. And um, a Division Two school in Lock Haven, you know, they gave me a scholarship and opportunity to uh, start my college career. And, uh, you know, I dove into that, really excited, and, and um, I spent a semester at lock, Lockhaven, excuse me. And, um, you know, through the, through the couple months I was there, you know, I, I did struggle a little bit. Um, I, was, I was good in the classroom, I was a good teammate. Every, you know, I, on that side, it was good. And uh, before I went home for winter break, you know, my coach told me I just simply wasn't good enough. Um, he told me he'd help me with Division Three teams and everything. And, uh, you know, I, I wasn't, nothing against Division Three or anything, but I, I, you know, I had high aspirations. I wanted to be a professional baseball player one day. So, you know, I, I shook his hand, and I, and I told him he will regret it. And, um, you know, I kind of went on with my life. And, yeah, I mean, I was, that was pretty much it out of high school and my first college. You know, Lockhaven's is a great place. You know, great. I've met so many good people down there. And uh, so, you know, on the way home, I was kind of, I'd be lying to you if I wasn't crying. I'd be lying if I wasn't heartbroken. But, uh, you know, in life, and, you know, everybody knows, probably listen, there, there's hard things that come at you, and it's, it's not what hard things came at you. It's how you go about the hard thing because you can't control that. So, um, but, yeah.
0: Yeah, so you actually, so one of my really best friends, Mike Augusto, uh, you actually yes. played played at Lockhaven with him. And um, I will say that you guys both were kind of thrown into a, a – a weird situation there um, with the changing of head coaches and everything like that. Um, So that's just a tough situation, you know, and, and it's crazy that, that, you know, you got through that, you basically were told you weren't good enough to play there, which at the time Lock Haven really wasn't still isn't really a big name division Two baseball school. Um, And then you go to, then you go to Lackawanna um and and how was that because Lackawanna was also going through a transition period because for a while Lackawanna was was the junior college team in the area to go to and you know they kind of had some adversity there they kind of had to completely redo things so how was that a whole situation
1: yeah so I mean I never even heard of Lackawanna until I got called by the head coach Bruce Thompson there and um and going through that process of when I did get cut and everything um I didn't, I didn't have any other schools reach out to me. You know, I, I truly at one point thought my career was over. Um, I truly thought I was going to go and uh, go to a four year school and just finish a degree. And, um, you know, the coach reached out to me, like you said, he was a, he was a brand new coach. just kind of filling a roster. And he's like, Hey man, if you want to drive out, see what we're all about. And, um, you know, the rest was kind of history. And, uh, I went out there and, uh, uh, just yeah so I went out there and uh, they, they gave me probably the smallest scholarship a junior college could ever give someone and uh, you know I took it with a grain of salt and um, just you know I kind of I never forget I looked myself in the mirror and I said look you know if you, you know, I talk in my head if you want to be who you want to be one day you know what I mean you got to see where you're at now and see where you want to be and you got to figure it out and it's just plain and simple and uh, I came up with a slogan it's, it's my pin tweet on Twitter kind of um, it's be phenomenal to be forgotten. And I kind of just lived with that and uh, found a good relationship with, with the Lord. And, uh, you know, He guided me through the right path and made everything possible. And um, my first semester, first season at Lackawanna, um, I, I did well. You know, I played with confidence and I helped a lot. And it kind of just opened up a door I never thought I could open before. And um, going into my sophomore season, I did really well. Um, we had a pro day came and uh, I came down to TCU. Uh, Pittsburgh and Liberty and uh being I'm from Pittsburgh I kind of just fell in love with the opportunity and the situation and kind of just jumped into it with a blindfold and uh went from there you know and um went to University of Pittsburgh and my junior year I absolutely sucked I wasn't good um, I got I got hit blindfolded like I said I, I did not know you know there's, I'll never forget um we were playing UNC Tar Heels and I was on their field and the you know, you had seven to eight thousand screaming Tar Heels, and I kind of took a step back and I was like, "Oh my God! Like I'm actually doing this right now!" Like, and uh, Michael Bush is up. He's a first rounder. He's gonna go next week in the first round, and he's up. And he hit a fly ball to me, and I caught it. And I was like, "I just caught a first round pick's fly ball," and that kind of meant a lot to me. Just saying, I I came here, you know, and uh, I think I deserved it, and I got I got to start going, you know. And I ended my junior year. Um, with, you know, it wasn't good numbers. Um, I kind of was, was told that I got to, you know, step it up or I'm not going to play next year. And uh, I did one of those mirror things again. I looked myself in the mirror and I said, look, man, if you want to play pro ball, you got to dominate at this level. And uh, my dad actually just moved to Florida, so I went down to Florida, me and my little brother Dylan, and I met a lot of models. Actually, I totally forgot, at Lackawanna, <laughs> sorry about that. At Lackawanna, they had the A AAA team uh, for the Yankees yep and uh, this is actually a really cool story I um, was in the grocery store and I met a guy named Slade Heathcott and at the time I had no idea who Slade Heathcott was and he was the first round first pick uh, in the 2009 draft and um, you know he kind of took me under his wing and taught me a lot of things about the game And, uh, and that was a huge role model to me and still is to this day you know I talk to him often and uh and and he was with me, and he told me he's like, "Hey, man, this is the level you gotta play at if you wanna if you wanna be where you wanna be one day." And uh, so I went in the summer, like I said, with my little brother, and uh, just just did what I did, and you know worked hard and kept the drive alive and the dream alive, and uh, ended up having a really good senior year, and hopefully it carries me into my rest of my career.
0: Yeah, the the Slade Heathcott thing is pretty interesting because I'm a big time Yankee fan. I know who Slade Heathcott was. He actually. Did pretty decent for the Yankees when he had first come up. Uh, had some injury problems, but his story is also crazy. Um, yeah. He's also got another really good baseball story.
1: Yeah, no, and I'm sure if you call him, he would love to talk to you guys too. Um, but yeah, and then that was that was kind of it, man. And and that's because I always used the excuse my whole life. You know, I had a, my parents got divorced. It was a really bad divorce, and I kind of stopped playing for a little bit. I you know I kind of sunk underwater when it came to. Uh, playing baseball, and um, I always use that as an excuse like, oh, I was never good enough, or I was never this. And after Slade, you know, sharing his story, and you know, if you ever have him on, I'll let him explain. And, and uh, you know, like uh, a little bit of it, you know, he grew up in a really, really hard uh, uh, childhood and everything and never had anything given to him. And, and he said to me, he's like, and what I said at the beginning of the podcast, it's not about what happened to you, it's about how you react to those things that happen to you. And, um, and i and and i stopped using that excuse and uh you know kind of just took the bull by the horns and i mean that's another thing man it's just the world we live in today everyone wants to tell you you know you're not good enough or you know i love well i hate it but i love when people are like oh well let's look at reality of things you're 5'10 you weigh under 75 pounds do you really think you can go pro and i you know that just that's just like that chip on my shoulder it's just yeah i can't you know i mean it's just believing in myself and you know a lot of people that watch me play they're always you know they always kind of make fun of me because i have this little walk to me and they're like why do you walk like that and i was like to be honest with you man because no one no one believes in me except for myself and the moment i stop believing in myself is the moment i won't stop i'll, I'll stop playing you know so you know and Slade taught me a lot of that and slate you know had that like that grit to you as a player and um that that extra edge that some players don't have and that's something i live off of and that's something i uh, play off of and uh you know just every day i just we want to prove someone else wrong that you know told me i couldn't make it you
0: know and so yeah and so it's funny when people say you're not big enough or whatever like you still you hit a good amount of home runs this year as well every time i was on twitter i'm seeing connor perry goes yard i want to say you had a two two was there a two homer game against illinois or virginia you mashed yeah. against virginia
1: yeah, yeah i had a two home run game against virginia and a two home run game against the university of miami
0: yeah so i mean that's and to me i think like this is the perfect time because we see a lot of smaller dudes in the mlb now i mean i mean jose altuve is one of my favorite dudes to watch um so i i I would agree though that's kind of the the way that people view things you know you got to throw a hundred or you got to you know you got to be six five like stuff like that which i think that just based on your play at the division two level and and or division one level and you've i mean you tore it up this past year so um you know i think for sure you're going to hear a name on on draft day without a doubt um but let's go back to junior college so junior college is kind of it's a newer thing it's a newer wave of baseball we see guys now you know not even going to college they're just going overseas to play now and the carter stewart story which we talked about in another podcast um, baseball is kind of on a different wave. So, so how much do you attribute your success to the junior college level?
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, all of it, you know, I, I tell guys every day, um, I talk to a lot of young ball players that are, have aspirations of playing division one baseball that just aren't there. You know, I was a late bloomer, you know, puberty wise, you know, like I, I, you know, high school, I barely had arm on or hair under my armpits, you know? And, uh, and I think that junior college, route is a great route for people and they think that like oh well it's not good academically or it's not good this it's not good that and uh you know i i graduated and everything from well i didn't graduate yet but i'm planning on graduating from the university of pittsburgh and um the junior college academically wise i mean it's it's you're getting all those classes you might never need in life out of the way, and then you get your major classes and what's what you want to study in life at the at the four year schools. You know what I mean? So, academically, I mean, I'm I'm just as if I went to Pitt for four years and got the degree and everything I needed. And um, but as far as uh, athletically at the junior college level, I mean, we there's some great talent in the junior college level and Lakewana. You know, Lakewana is a Division two junior college. But you know the top three teams in our conference—they all had eight to nine Division One level uh, baseball commits. So I mean the, the competition's there, and I think it's also great because there isn't competition there. You know, there's some teams that we beat twenty nothing, but sometimes a player needs that to get that confidence. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I did go five for five against the school—the school that wasn't that good. But, you know, that helped me build confidence to when we played, you know, the bigger time named schools and the bigger time named pitchers. And, you know, coming off a five or five game, I don't care who you're playing, you're, you're going with a lot of confidence. And, you know, so it, it has that up and down scale. And I think it's just perfect for a player who just isn't there yet, maybe maturely or just mature as a baseball player. You know, I, if they're not there, I mean, the junior college routes great. And not only that, your coaches at the junior college level, they want what's best for you, not the program. And, um, you know, Bruce Thompson, you who know, I attribute so much success to, and I talked to him almost every day and became a lifelong best friend and mentor, um, he believed in me. And that was the first coach I've ever had in my entire life that truly, when I went up to the plate, he knew I was going to get a hit. And that's, and that's a huge aspect to a college baseball player. And, um, and, that, and that was huge for me in my game, you know. And, and I'll never forget, I never thought I was going to start a game at La because simply I thought I wasn't good enough. And when he told me, like, you're my guy, and, uh, you know, we're going to get you where you want to be. And, you know, we wrote down our goals that we want at Lackawanna. And, and um, I think that was huge. And not only that, you meet kids and then you turn into a role model side of things. You know, I just got done texting a kid from Lackawanna a couple hours ago just trying to help him out. And that community of the junior college is great. You know, I have so many numbers I can call of guys that are just dying to help me out. You know, it's just kind of a pay it forward, you know. And I, and I even said – just late, he'd call it all the time. I said, Slade, please let me repay you. Let me take you to lunch. Let me, let me, let me do something." He's like, "All I want you to do is pay it forward," and that's just something I, you know, live with and go with. And, um, you know, that's just a mentality that the junior college level gave me, and I'm super uh, blessed for that opportunity.
0: Yeah, I know. For myself, I also played at the junior college level because I, would had no other school interest in me at a high school. Went to Northampton, and, um, you know, I, I had. A bunch of offers when I had left there, so it's definitely. a... What's what was that
1: coach Northampton? What is his name?
0: Yaguas, Adrian Yaguas.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's funny you say that. He, uh, I mean, that's that's a guy. You know, I never, I never played with, and I always played against. And he's one of the top guys that are, that's always on Twitter. You know, helping me out, congratulating me, and, that, and that's another cool thing. You know what I mean? And Northampton, we played probably twice, I think. And it just it's all about the community, and, you know. And you never know when you're gonna need something as a ball player. And you never know when you're going to need something in life. And, you know, you create that, you create those relationships and everything. So no Northampton, that's a great program. And that coach, I, I have a ton of respect for it and I wish the best for him.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would say that I think that a lot of junior college players can relate to one another. And I think that's why the community is, is so tight-knit. Like Division One, there's so many levels of Division One, And there's so many levels of Division II. Um, but junior college, even though there is the D1, D2, D3 it's always the kind of that same grind, you know? Like it's not it's not easy. Like Division 1, you know, you can fly, you know. D- junior college, you're riding buses or van. Like we took a van with 12 to 15 dudes packed in it to to Myrtle Beach on a on a 13-hour oh, yeah. drive. I mean, that's the stuff that it sucks, but it builds, you know, it kind of builds that community and builds, you know, builds friendships those those trips. Yeah, no. I mean, the, yeah. I can totally relate to
1: that. And like, like we're doing right now, you know, and, she, and it builds that character and it builds the love for the game. You know what I mean? And, and at the division one level, I, I played with so many guys that they never truly failed in their life and they never really faced that adversity. And I'm not, you know, downing them at all. It's just, but it's nice to get that all out of the way before you go to that high level of baseball. You know what I mean? And those guys, those guys end up not making it or they end up going to the junior college and, and getting that lifestyle. And, uh, you know, I at junior college, you know, we're shoveling snow off, waking up waking up at midnight and putting the tarp on the field just so we can play. And I remember I went to a division, uh, University of Pittsburgh. I tried touching a shovel, and I got yelled at because they didn't want to get a callus on my hand because we had a game later that day. You know, and, and I think that's just that's just the definition of it right there. And um, and and that's not even against the division one level. I mean, that's you if you earn the opportunity to go do that, you get to have those opportunities and never maybe touch a shovel again. But um, that's just something I I'm truly glad I, I lived with. And you know, people always talk tell me like are you mad at that division two coach are you are you mad with your career and i'm so happy that everything happened in the way it happened you know and i and i do i take pride in that and you know i talk to professional scouts and i tell them the story straight up i don't try to hide what happened because that's that's who i am that's a player who i become and and without those obstacles and failures and you know the the quote-unquote junior route you know i wouldn't have or be who i am
0: today (laughs) Well, yeah, and you see some of the greatest... Athletes of all time with some sort of adversity like that. I mean, we all know the Michael Jordan story. um yeah. So I mean, I think for sure that that is that is important. But I, I do want to say it's funny that you said waking up at midnight to put the tarp on or shoveling the field because that could not be more accurate. Uh, we had to do that so many times, um, um, and and drying the field. We had leaf blowers drying the fields some days. Yeah. It, it was. I'll never insane. forget. I went to a practice and I had a weed picker and I had to pick weeds off the
1: warning track. Because we had a, we had a game the next day. That probably only five people came to, but you know, like you said, that that's that is what it's all about, and it really makes you actually appreciate the game and love the game.
0: So uh, I want to talk about like academics for a second. So I we've had other guests on at other like so we've had someone on from um, wow why, I don't know why I'm drawing a blank um, Coastal Carolina, um, and he was kind of talking about his. Travel schedule with keeping up with the studies. So, but I kind of want to know because you went from a Division two school, so a four year school, then you went to a junior college, which people assume to be easier, and then you went to a Division one school in Pitt. When and Pitt is a pretty difficult school um, as far as academics. So, so kind of how is that transition? Um, especially with the travel schedule as well, you know, you guys obviously travel and and things like that. I know that coastal Carolina has a guy they call a coach, but he's basically like a tutor for all the kids and checks up on them, make sure their grades are good.
1: Yeah, no. Um, so at, at the, the junior college level, um, when, when they say it's easier, I wouldn't say it's so much easier, but they, they, they want you to succeed there. You know, I had professors at Lackawanna that truly wanted what's best for me. And we had the small classroom setting and everything. And uh, that, that alone helps a hard class become easier. And you know, I took uh, psychology at at the junior college level, and it was no easier. But that professor worked with me. That professor wanted me to succeed. Whereas, you know, I I took a sports and drugs class at Pitt with uh, with 150 people, and the professor—I could see him at the mall tomorrow, and he would have no idea that I was even in in his class. You know, so I think that's just really a big difference. And obviously, there's a standard, especially at the University of Pittsburgh, who's known for their academics. Um, But in going off of that, we you know we do have tutors. You know. uh, uh, at the University of Pittsburgh, we have a study center that's for any student-athlete, and uh, you can pick a tutor whenever you want and schedule a time to convenient what's what uh, works for you and your practice schedule and um, go in there, you know. So I, I did spend tons of time, but at that time, I was spending with – at well... So, I mean, it kind of, it's, it's the same thing, but, you know, it, it is, it was harder just because, like I said, the classroom setting, the, the standard of uh, excellence at a four-year school compared to a junior college where they don't have a lot of kids. You know, I think uh, the total attendance at Lackawanna is definitely not over 5,000, you know, so uh, separating that and getting that one-on-one time, I mean, I, that was a huge aspect. And, and the one to succeed, you know, there was classes I failed. Um, Test I failed at Lackawanna and they let me do it ever again. You know, and some people look away from that and shy away from that, but that's something that helped me and I learned more because I actually had to teach myself rather go to a Division I school and, you know, fail that class and just move on with it and then and, and just forget about it, you know. So, you know, the academics is harder, but, you know, at a, at a, if you're a student athlete and the athlete, you know, part of it, you get a lot of um, help from other people and uh, those people do want you to succeed and uh we had study halls and all that stuff but we we had I had more study halls at my junior college than I did at my four-year school at at Pittsburgh um so it's just all about the you know I think if you take a lot of time in anything you'll get better at it and uh in, in junior college I took a lot of time into my academics and I did not take a lot of time in my academics at the University of Pittsburgh being with like you said a travel schedule I mean there was uh A three week span where you know we fly out thursday get in town monday fly out wednesday get in town monday fly out thursday get in town monday you know so i'm i you know that i i didn't go to all those classes but you know like i said i had the tutors at hand i have other guys and a thing a good thing you know the university of pittsburgh does and i i'm pretty sure a lot of other division one schools do um they'll put you in classes with your teammates you know so group projects you know tests you know it it, there's a community of kids on my team that are working together to get the job done so you're not really a lone wolf and and, uh they they really won't let you sink unless you try to sink you know so
0: so how is going back to baseball how is preparing for games or preparing for the season how does that differ from the three different levels you have played at
1: for me um it didn't differ at all you know the routine and a plan uh your preparation brings confidence into the game, and, th- and then the game side of it, then you just have fun, you know? And uh, that, you know, hard work is something I truly take pride in, and I hope that every player that played with me sold inside of me. You know, I was a big guy. I'm a big swing guy. So... You know, at Lackawanna, I would I went two times a day to the cage, morning and night. You know, hitting off a tee, keeping the same routine. You know, there's there's probably four different guys throughout my career of college, whether at Lackawanna or uh, Pittsburgh, or even Lock Haven for that matter, that I kind of you know. We put each other under each other's wings, and we helped um, each other every day, and, and that was that was key for me, you know. And uh, you know, uh, Lackawanna, his name was Chris Skirmo, and that that kid, and uh, we became brothers, and and we went every day to the field, you know. We had a game at six o'clock; I'd get there at three o'clock to hit with him, you know. And that and that preparation brings me that confidence, like I said. So when, when you know when the lights turn on, it's just time to have some fun and uh, Pitt's the same way you know a kid named Greg Ryan who's a freshman I kind of took under my wing and you know every night we are in the cage till maybe midnight you know and sometimes I I'm not lying to you you know, I, I feel helpless in the case sometimes, but that's all part of it. And that, and that's, you know, I, I, I went, um, I hit 500 against the University of Virginia and the University of Miami, and then went 0 for 23 against Duke that next weekend. And, that, and that's just what's best about the game of baseball. You know, I'm hitting 360, and I go 360 to 300 in one weekend. And uh, and I think that that relates to preparation routine. Nothing stopped or changed at that. It's just that's how the game rolls, and that's the punches you sometimes have to take. And it's about minimizing that, you know, and uh, and but that next Monday night, we were in the cage doing what we did that Monday night. I had three home runs against the University of Virginia, you know, so that nothing changes in routine and uh, preparation, no matter what level you're at. And I think the moment you take uh, a step off of the gas is the moment you'll start going slower, you know, as cliche as that sounds. And um, but that's something like I think that truly got me here is my work ethic, you know, and uh, I take pride in that. And um, like I said, it's it's something that if I don't do it, I, I, I'll feel weird. You know, tomorrow I have a workout with the Pittsburgh Pirates and I'm down in Florida. I just I just hit uh, BP on the field with 100 degree weather. You know, and, and it sucks and it's tiring, but it's just something I think to be successful and you see it out of other players if in the way they were successful, they did it, you know, and uh, you always hear Derek Jeter, you know, he had the same routine no matter what was going on in his life, you know, and they play 162 games compared to 56 games. So that routine and preparation truly brings the confidence and, and uh, makes you feel ready for that game.
0: Um, what about the off-season workouts? So, what about like the lifting and stuff? Because I know, I know from like so the junior college level, there is no practice limits. You can practice every day, as many hours a day. Um, there was, there's no practice limits. And then obviously, you get the Division Two, Division One, Division Three. There, there are restrictions. Um, and and the off-season workouts are different. I know. You know, obviously every school is going to be different, but was one more intense than the other as far as, you know, the lifting and the offseason stuff?
1: Yeah, um, you know, like you said, there was no restrictions at the junior college level. And at the junior college level, you don't have the talent you have at a Division One level. So you have to have that extra practice with some guys and have to have as a team, you know, and Lackawanna – you know, our coach strive for, for excellence and strive to make our team the best we could possibly be. And um, our team wasn't that good, you know, but we we became very good through those long and dearing hard practices, you know, and, and at the Division One level, there are restrictions, but everyone at that level is very good and knows what they need to do. Um, so you're right, there are no restrictions at the junior college level compared to the Division One level, but those D1 guys, you know, when the quote-unquote practice times are off limits, there's still guys there every day, you know, getting their work in, doing their extra stuff, you know. So that, that really is kind of the same. Um, but as far as a coach practice goes, yes, junior college – you know, there are no restrictions and, uh, you know, there was practices where they were long, long practices and you're making the same mistake over again. But that happens at every level. You know, I'd be lying to you if I said at the University of Pittsburgh we didn't have four-hour practices where I truly didn't know if we were a Division One team. You know, and that's just, that's just the human error part of it. You know, those guys aren't robots. You know, none of us are robots and um as far as lifting goes um that's another thing like i said i'm an undersized guy and i take pride in that so i kind of try to be a gym rat you know i try to get every extra edge and uh, advantage i can possibly get so um you know i lifted the same as far as junior college and division one level um and and even if it wasn't during the quote unquote lifting time or practice times you know i was still there trying to get every extra edge i could possibly get
0: um do you guys do uh, scouting at the Division one level like kind of like is there fi- like you guys watch film on pictures or, or is there anything that you guys do at the Division one level that really isn't very available to the junior college oh, level yeah. really? Oh, that, that
1: is – that's a huge difference um, that you just brought up. I mean, I have an application on my phone right now, and you can name any Division One pitcher, and I can look him up right now and see every pitch he ever threw at the Division One level. And uh, that, that is a huge uh, perk we get. You know, at junior college, we show up to the game, we watch his warm-ups, and we look at his record and say, okay, well, here we are, you know. and uh, But when we go to against the University of Virginia – you know, I, I saw every pitch that kid threw. I saw every count he threw against lefties. I saw every pitch he throws. But it goes the same way for us. You know, he watched every at bat I ever took. He knows my weak spots. You know, and that's and that's what makes you a better baseball player because you're constantly—it's a chess match—and you're trying to beat the guy on the other side. And uh, but yeah, that is a huge. You know, I could bring up every swing I ever took at the Division I level right now. You name a game, you name an at bat, I could say, give me five seconds, and I will, I can look it up. So that part of it is a huge difference. But you also don't want to get caught up. You know, there's a lot of times they went into a Division One game having a scouting report, and it's not the best, most accurate scouting report, and you kind of create a mind game that doesn't even happen. So I'm kind of, as far as when it comes to scouting reports, I'm, I'm kind of – on the tweener part of it because you know i do like it i do like seeing you know what that guy throws against lefties and stuff but at the same time if you dive into it too much you'll never get above water again and you'll go up to the plate thinking you know what's going on and and like i said we're all humans here we make mistakes and uh you know if a pitcher throws outside every time against a lefty he's gonna miss inside you know and if that's that if that if he misses inside against you and you're not expecting it you're you're out you know so that that is a huge aspect um you got to be careful of but at the same time it is a very big advantage that the division one level has
0: um like were you guys did you guys uh study those as a team or were you kind of left uh here's who we're playing you know take a look at it type thing Uh, it was both
1: um our coaches did a very very good job of uh telling us what we need to know you know we all could go in a meeting room and, and watch that but like i said some guys you know, some guys delete the app right away when they get it, you know, and uh, some guys are, abs- you know, there was a kid, Nico Popo, on our team uh, from the University of Pittsburgh who had an excellent, excellent, excellent season, and he knew every pitch of every pitcher that stepped on that mound against us, where there's a guy like me that says I know his name, I watched a little bit, and then there's also a guy, <clears throat> his name's Ron Washington, who never looked at it once, and we're, we all had really good seasons. So, you know, that that's just, it's just whoever wants it, whoever needs it, and, uh, you know, like I said, our coach does, they have a chart, they have everything we need to know. Um, and they need to know stuff too, you know, and, uh, I think the biggest thing too, um, is the shift, you know, I was a big pool hitter and, uh, I, you know, every at bat, you know, I'm having a third baseman play it short, second baseman playing in the right center and uh, the, the shortstop at right over second base. So in the junior college level, I didn't see a shit my entire time there. So I think, you know, it gets harder, and that's what it's made for, you know. And the junior college level prepares you so much. And then when you get to the Division One level, it's, it's not a jump, skip, and a hop, you know. And you, you constantly – you know, our coach um, at Pitt, he was a new coach. He came from Florida State. Uh, I think he was like 20 years as a coach through all levels, played professionally. And he tells us he's still learning the game, and you got to allow – yourself to continue to learn the game because once you think you got to figure it out i mean it will slap you in the face harder than anyone it will slap you in the face so you know no matter what level of baseball you're at you got to let the game teach you you're gonna see new things every day and you just got to be the best player you can be um when you step on that field
0: going back to ron washington really quick that kid is built like a brick shit house. i watched him uh, i watched a couple pit games and i feel like every time i turned it on that kid was mashing
1: yeah, that he, he has a very good career in front of him he's a really hard worker and uh, you know that and that, and that's something you know you, you put me and Ron Washington next to each other you know his calves are bigger than my body you know and and that's something um, that's something I kind of live with and I always use that excuse well look how big he is look how big I am but the moment you guys set that aside and say look he can be how big as he wants but I'm gonna be the best player I Connor Perry can be you know, and that's something you got, and, and I tell him, I have a little brother, I tell him that all the time, because he's at a stage where, you know, they have these big high school kids committed to these big-time schools, and they, they dominate not because they're so good, they dominate because they just mentally crush the other guys before they step on that field, you know, so that's something as a baseball player, um, for anyone listening, you know, if you are undersized, or you are, you don't have the best set, set of, uh, that you weren't dealt the best set of cards. You, you, can't, you can't live like that and, and go about it that way. You have to be confident in yourself and you have to be the best player you yourself can possibly be. But, you know, going back to Ron Washington, he, he is a great guy, a great player, and, um, you know, he's, he's, he really helped me a lot, for sure.
0: Has, so I was watching the SEC tournament the other day. Um, has your uh, conference, now Pitt plays in the ACC? Uh, has they have they adapted the, the where the catcher wears the earpiece and the coach yeah. calls the pitches? So they do that too with the microphone or with the like walkie talkie.
1: Yeah, yeah. Our uh, our catcher Cole McClan, he he, uh, you know, and that that just helps speeds up the game. You know, it, it looks cool. You know, all the little kids are like, oh my god, it's like FBI stuff. But a big part of that is just speeding up the game, so they're not looking for signs, and it's easier on both sides, and, and it helps the game go quicker because baseball is a long, tiring. You know, game for for a viewer, and I think a lot of that, and a lot of MLB. You know, they're all everyone now is trying to speed the game up as possibly as fast as they possibly can, and uh, yeah. So we, I think the SEC and the ACC are the only two conferences that have it right now. But I can guarantee you, uh, in next year and the years to come, that that, that will definitely. Be more
0: uh, popular yeah because it's not going to be they can't use it in the college world series but i i honestly didn't even know about that till i was watching the tournament which was crazy because i really like it because like you said it speeds up the game uh just makes things a lot easier so um, yeah i, I definitely yeah. like that but i was i was amazed i did not know that and i've watched a lot of baseball but i don't know i guess i just never picked up on it so it was it was definitely interesting
1: yeah, and you won't see that the major league level simply cuz cuz the catcher calls their games. You know, what I mean, you don't have a coach calling pitches. So, but for the college level where the catchers aren't as mature as players and uh, the, you know, the the coach's true job is to win. Where MLB they are a job to win, but it's a little different, you know.
0: Yeah. Um so so where was your toughest place to play in your time at Pitt?
1: Um I would say honestly Florida State, you know. Florida State has a great following um you know, they knew my sister's name. They knew my brother's name. They knew my mom's name, you know. And, yeah, that's all I need to say. And um, they they definitely, you know, they could be down 10 nothing, and they're still chirping in your ear. You know, I, I'll never forget. Um, we were playing them and I stepped out simply because I got a piece of dust in my eye. And, you know, the whole crowd just erupted, you know. Hey, get back in the box. Call me every name, you know. Um, but, yeah, as far as, you know, UNC, eh, that, that kind of gets up there too now that I think about it. Um, They definitely, they definitely try to get in your head, Um, but at the end of the day, you know, when really, really good players, you got to block all that out and stuff, but, uh, you know, toughest place to play, I mean, it's, it's crazy when the fans get into it, how much better a team can possibly play, you know, it's, it's like, we always say when the UNC, you know, half the crowd does tar and the other half the crowd screams heels. And I swear to God, when they do that, it's almost a guaranteed hit every time. Um, so, but yeah, toughest place to play, I think, floor is thick, You big. Know? Every player that came up, they sing a song as like, their walk-up. Like, the crowd would make their own customized song towards that player, which I thought was pretty neat. Um, you know, it, was, it wasn't so much tough to play, but it was just a really, really, really cool atmosphere to play in.
0: Um, what was your, your favorite place to play aside from uh, playing at, at your home field? I mean, uh, when you say favorite, I'm just gonna say we're at most success, and that was the University of Virginia. Um, All right, I had a very, very good uh, series there, and uh, I actually was walking up to the plate, the one at
1: bat, and they were like, "All right, Connor, go hit hey, your home run, get it over with," you know. So when you got the crowd, you know, opposing crowds, saying that kind of stuff to you, you know, it's always it's always a good time. So uh, when yeah, well, as far as favorite, I would definitely say the University of Virginia.
0: Um. So looking into the future. Uh, what, what rumblings have you heard? All right. First off, have you, have you like talked to an agent? Have you done anything like that yet or? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I did everything. Um, you know,
1: I, I guess what I can say is if everything goes as planned, um, I'm, I'm praying the good Lord, uh, lets them call my name. Uh, I have talked to, uh, you know, a fair amount of major league baseball teams, and um I, I don't I don't have an agent right now just being I'm a senior I do plan on getting one if my name is called just for you know purposes of being a professional baseball player those guys make a lot of things uh, make sure life's a lot easier so I do plan on getting one of uh, an agent and everything but for right now you know I'm kind of just keeping everything under wraps and uh, hope my name gets called and and start my professional career
0: um last thing before we wrap this up uh, you're from Pittsburgh obviously yes. Um, what is your take on Permani Brothers?
1: Oh, Permani Brothers. Uh, you know, it, it's funny. Everyone, it, it's pierogies and Permani Brothers are the big two things uh, Pittsburgh's known for when it comes to food. And uh, I love Permani Brothers. And it's, it's, I always make my own for Manny Sandwich. And what, what I mean by that is everywhere I go, I always, you know, our team, oh, there goes the answer. Cause I was, I was one of two Pittsburgh kids on my, uh, university of Pittsburgh team and, and, uh, everywhere I go, if I have fries in a sandwich, I'm always putting fries on that sandwich. <laughs>
0: um, so how does the one in Scranton stack up to the one in the ones in Pittsburgh?
1: Um, honestly, it's, it's the same, you know, you don't have that Pittsburgh feeling though. You know, they don't, it's, it's something you take pride in when you walk into Primanti brothers and everything. I have been to the one in Scranton though, uh, plenty of times. Uh, but yeah, it, it's pretty much the same, I would say, you know, same, same business and everything. So.
0: All right. Well, that, that's going to do it for our episode. I really appreciate you, uh, coming on and we would love to have you back on again. And I don't have a doubt in my mind. You'll hear your name next week during the draft, but best of luck with everything, man.
1: Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. And if I could just say one more thing, you know, to anybody that listens out there, um, uh, just, you know, it's it's more little kids and and, uh, ball players going through the systems. you know. Don't ever let someone tell you what you're capable of and everything because, you know, from working at McDonald's to, you know, walking down the street, you know, I've heard too many times that I'll never be a professional baseball player or, you know, I had coaches say that, the University of Pittsburgh's worst mistake was having me on their team and stuff, and and uh, you can't you can't let those people you know tell you your future. And I tell everyone, I, you know the moment you start letting someone else decide your destiny is the moment you won't decide your destiny. And that's obviously very cliche to sound, but it's very true. You know, so you know anyone out there listening, you know whether it's a job or baseball, you know, um, just you know you control your own future and uh, put your head down and, and get going.
0: And hey man, I really appreciate it, and uh, I can't wait to to share this episode so a lot of people, especially the ones that you've worked with in Scranton and with Baseball U and stuff like that. So so all those people can can listen because I think that a lot of people can learn from this story, and I think this is going to be a uh, I think this is going to be one of the, the bigger episodes that we've had. So I really really appreciate it.
1: Awesome, uh, man. Well, thank you guys for having me uh, on your show. And like I said, I definitely would love to get the opportunity, maybe down the road, have some more good stories for you guys and get going.
0: Sounds great, man. Again, best of luck next week. Thank you. See ya.
1: As happy as I can be. Oh, huh. boom, boom, man, it's everybody's zoom. Love is sweet, love is grand, it works one, one, one. On. We bop and everybody hop I'll never be a millionaire. This is